With traffic, errands, and parking, cars can be a chore. But a great car can be an adventure, a getaway, and a prized possession. Whatever your budget or family require, there's a car out there you'll love. We're here to help you find it. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. I want to be careful not to overstate this, hmm. but I, I kind of made a personal discovery this weekend. That sounds really grandiose, I know. You're talking about cars now? I, I, are, are we I talking about actually, cars? I am actually talking okay. about cars. All right. Because you and I did something we don't normally do, and that is we just went for a drive with no shooting purpose. Of course, it, we still shot. We were gone we've, because we've we can't. We've done this a handful of times, but it's not frequent. We yeah. don't have the time. We can't actually go anywhere and not shoot something. So we still yeah. have to shot something. That long-awaited discussion we've had about trying to shoot a piece about how do you run canyons with your buddies, like how-to stuff. It's going to yeah, be right. pretty light, but it's right. in there. We did that while we were there. But a friend of the show, Mike, locally, told us about yeah. a road he likes, yeah. which is not that close. So you and I jumped in our cars and went looking. Very fun. It was an we adventure. Did, we did 300 miles on Saturday yeah, for yeah. the heck of it in our two cars. Now, <laughs> in your car, that's one thing. In mine, it's a totally different thing. I have to admit, and this is where the discovery comes in. You have a tiny, tiny gas tank. This is, no, it wasn't that. It was the oh, oh, sheer the, level of noise. The noise, yeah, that the, too. The, here's the discovery that I made. When I got up that morning, I really had this thought, because I love the Lotus, as you know, but I thought um, – do I really want to be in this car for 300 miles today? I mean, I really had that thought while I was like loading up for the day. But I have, I know this sounds crazy, but I have headphones that have got like, they're, they're made by Jaber. They've got these spongy tips on them, kind of like you'd have for actual earplugs. Right, okay? right. And so I put those in and it knocks the noise level down to like a normal car. And I can listen to, you know, an audiobook or a podcast or whatever. Or talk and on the phone or anything like that. Totally. And I yeah. can hear things and, and et cetera, et cetera. So um, that made it fantastic. And then the road we did to get to, we had to go 90 miles to get to the start of this road. Mm. But very little of it was like big interstate, which was nice. And it was a fantastic drive. And you and I, here's the thing about it. You and I have not been on a road. We were discovering that we didn't also have to shoot in forever. I mean, we just took the cameras for fun, and we mm-hmm. did shoot a few things. But very minimal. It was yeah. very relaxing. I mean, we weren't even in uniform. Nope. You know, nope. quote unquote. You know, our, our regular yes. colors. We yes, just you're right. Had t-shirts on, and we were going and talking about whatever. And mm-hmm. I, I love the freedom because it was very cathartic. And I made the really joke. Was, yeah. It's hard to drive a car without a camera pointed at me anymore. It is weird. It's very funny, I, yeah. I get in a car and I'm like, well, where's the camera? Why what am I supposed to say? Yeah. Drive. How do I drive this thing? I don't know how to drive. <laughs> it's pretty funny. It was a great drive. While I was there, I actually tried out this Driveline app. They're one of our sponsors right now. I yeah, hadn't tried it before. That's right. It was actually very easy, and I did record this epic drive we did to Driveline. But it was, it was like... It was 100 miles worth of driving on just this great road. We went down and back, and it was amazing. Lakes and high plains and cool. mountains it and, ru- and cliffs, and it was for, great. So, Mike, by the way, hat tip to you, Mike, locally. Thank you so much, man, for recommending that drive. We'll have to shoot it for TV at some point because it needs to be showcased. But at the same time, incredible drive. I also had a moment that reminded me in the way that our audience watches stuff. I know that sounds weird, but let me land it. The problem that you and I have when we shoot things and mm-hmm, we mm-hmm. display them to the audience is it's really hard to make cars look fast yeah. unless they're going blindingly fast or you do a lots Deep of edits. Into triples. Yeah. Or you do lots of edits. Or yeah. you go full slow-mo and you get the car sideways and it looks dynamic. But it's very hard to get 60 miles an hour to read like – because 60 is not slow. No, and it doesn't look fast. Depending on the shot, does. it doesn't look fast. Unless that side shot where you're speeding through the forest and just the camera's tracking yes. you from yes. the side. And you see it, but you've and got the scenery is whizzing by. But you have then to have scenery fast. like trees and stuff that are. Well, that you, are, you, you know, have to have some sort of reference. You can't have yeah. like a plane. You can't do that in the plane. Right. It doesn't look like you're going quick. Right. You and I were driving through some like fields, straight line fields on both mm-hmm. sides. There's, there were no cars. There was nothing to hit. There was no frame of reference. It was just fields on both sides mm-hmm. on the way back. I don't even think I told you this. This happened. I'm following you. We're five or six car lengths apart, but we're we're driving in formation. We're just locked in at the yeah. exact same distance from each other, and we're buzzing along. And I all of a sudden kind of like stepped out of myself, if you will, and I thought, okay, taking in the visual information I have right now, how fast am I going? How fast am I going? <laughs> That's always a dangerous speed or a, a danger because you're going to look down and be like, whoa. Yeah, what and the- I thought – uh, it looks like, and I thought about like if the camera was looking at this right now, what does it look like? I thought it looks like 50, 50 oh. or so. Oh. I looked down, 
<laughs> I looked up at you. I looked down again. I was like, that really is. I was going 90. You and I were sawing through the countryside with no reference and no other people yeah. and locked onto each other 90 miles an hour. And it looked visually, all the visual reference was it was about 45 or 50. Because there was nothing around. Yeah. And it was just, I mean, the, the dash was, lines to a degree. It, but was, even the, then, it was the it camera just, problem in real life. It's weird. Yeah. So bizarre. But look. We, we're not doing those speeds most of the time, and we did this amazing road, and it was fantastic. It was just nice. I know, here's the discovery. Sorry, I started with the discovery. The discovery that I made, 20 minutes later, I'm coming to the I'm landing all good, the plane. All good. The discovery I made is, I really like cars, and driving <laughs> is fun, so let's do more of that. It was really cathartic. I, I had that epiphany. I rediscovered driving for fun. Even though we had cameras turned on, it was just... Ah, it was so cathartic. So I highly recommend it. Yeah, that'll be uh, one of the Fast Blast videos that'll be coming out soon, and mm-hmm. we've got a lot of content coming at you guys. There's uh, a discussion that we've had for a while now, switching gears over to the <clears throat> newly posted GoFundMe, which is oh, yes. available. And uh, if you go to everydaydriver.com, you can see the very top line up there. You can find our Discord and uh, you know extra content by going to Patreon. Mm-hmm. But if you go to the GoFundMe page, it's just been posted as of this podcast. Yes, and it all started when I was you know just sorting through searching and came across mm-hmm. old XJRs. It was podcast four twelve? Four twelve. It's not that long ago, as a matter of fact. Nope. And thought, nope. there's my Phaeton. I there she is. <laughs> And so up to now, we've been talking about this and joking. Todd has been joking about Phaetons for years I now. Been. I've been joking but about But it hasn't Phaetons been forever. until recently that I actually found the sort Your of equivalent, equivalent yes. car yes. To, to compete. And I found it. And so this is for content purposes that will end up being cars that will end up being given away to you, folks that donate. Yeah. And really, the only way for you to know about it is listening to the podcast and yeah. our social media. Yeah. It's not necessarily designed to be hidden, but it just kind of came from podcast discussions. What well, came from also from our Discord and our patrons. I mean, yeah. you and I joked about having both those cars. And the issue is we have, because of the money that comes in and out of the show, look, we're thrilled to do this show for a living. Yeah. We're thrilled. Oh, yeah. But there's not extra money getting thrown around, okay? I mean, extra as, money? In, as independent producers for television, we're not getting big discovery money thrown at us. I mean, we're, yeah. we're doing all of yeah. this very independently, and thank you to our sponsors, Covercraft and Grios, because that's the reason we're able to do it Absolutely. for television. Yep. Absolutely. But So we have those kind of budgets. But the quote-unquote extra money, like you think about Top Gear, like we're going to buy some stuff. We can't do that. So this was our discussion no. about wanting to have no. both these cars and do a lot of content both for YouTube and for TV with these two cars. In, in comparison to themselves and to other cars. Mm-hmm. But the initial outgo of buying both those cars was kind of beyond the reach of what the show can do. The production expenses, the maintenance expenses, that's built the in. running, that's, that's kind of, there's, the there's a world for that. Yeah. Yeah. So our patrons through Discord said, why don't we, why don't you and I set up a, a, a Patreon, a, pardon me, a GoFundMe page to try to get our audience, if our audience like to see us in these cars. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. what this is for. And and please also understand, all the info's on there, but please also understand, a couple of other things that are going on behind the scenes. If we we don't raise enough to get these cars. We're pushing the money right back out. Absolutely. We're, we're not keeping this. This is for specific purpose, we, for content yes, creation, yes. and then to give the cars away, to push the cars and away. And that's the other thing about it, is that we intend to give the cars away to people that have donated for the cars to be on the show in the first place. Yes. So every yes. $20 is an entry, and we will do that probably, let's be honest, probably six, nine, 12 months from now. I mean, it's going to be a while. We're going to do a good amount of content on these cars. Right, right. So We've I can't get give the cars, you a time frame create the content. on when that happens. Yeah. But we're trying yeah. to get this, this, these funds raised between now and the end of September. September so that we can theoretically buy these cars early October, I can't believe I'm saying this, and do content with them for the next six months or so, and then we'll give them away to one of you. It's a crazy idea that, honestly, here's the thing. You and I were joking about it, yeah, and then our patrons yeah. went, guys, take this seriously and do it this way. So thank you to the patrons that came up with that Absolutely. idea and kind of hashed it out for us. We are just kind of executing that to see where it goes. We're excited to see if this might actually be a thing. That would be very, well, we very funny. It, coming. it was, again, as you said, it was not our idea, yeah. but we were joking about how do we get these cars? probably never going to happen. It still may not happen. We're not sure. Sure. So we're not fully wedded to the idea quite yet. It's very much a, it's not a joke by any stand, by any stretch. It's just still, we're we're testing out, you know, could we do this and could it actually spawn a lot of actually relevant content Mm -hmm. for all the ideas we've got? And that's really, you know, we have more ideas than time and money permit. This is one of the lowest, lowest (laughs) hanging fruit kinds of ideas we've ever had that could be possibly pulled off. But uh, I'm, I'm kind of intrigued. You were, you and I were talking last night and you said, well, 
what if I actually fall in love with the car and that's all I want to drive? And I said, well, it's going away. And if you want another Phaeton, you will have to go buy one. And good luck trying to find one as good as the one you just had. That's funny. Who knows? That might happen. You might end up with a Phaeton in your driveway. That really is the conclusion of that. So that's that's craziness, but it is happening. We would love to have your help with that. Again, that's our uh, GoFundMe page that can be linked from everydaydriver.com if you are interested. Thank you for listening either way. By the way, thanks for rating and reviewing this, this show. Yeah, that's much really so, cool. Much so. we, just, we like your support, period. We like your level of engagement. You guys are writing us constantly with all kinds of things. For this podcast, we have a really cool topic Tuesday. And, yes, we have a car debate coming up after the break for Jeremy. So we will get to that. And, as always, many, many really cool questions. I've I, The question. I picked today are all the ones that like came in paragraph form. They're like big <laughs> questions. So those are coming up as well. Funny. Monster Topic Tuesday from Joshua Jackson who writes to us, what sports cars are most representative stylistically of past decades? Okay. He gives examples of the 1960s Mira, 70s 240Z, the 80s Testarossa, and the 90s Acura NSX. And we've done a similar, we've touched on similar, uh, I guess, decade kinds of discussions, mm-hmm. but that was best cars mm-hmm. in, as far as dynamics price you know kind of the icon of the decades is like these are the the cars you must know about like you've got to go drive yeah, these yeah, yeah, get them if you can try these yeah. cars these still kind of fit into that category but There's they're overlap, yeah. the icons that you you know when we say the decade and you think of what cars came out of that decade doesn't matter if they're good or bad driving mm-hmm. cars but joshua does say Limits this to sports cars. It's not just necessarily any cars. I went broader than that. But anyway. It's totally fine because we're on a Topic Tuesday. We can hash it out however we want. Yeah. So I really tried to stick to as many sports cars as I, I could. And I went all the way back to the 20s. I went back to the 50s. Wow. The 20s. That's your list. I, I have dug. to sit quietly for a while. Doug. Uh, I went back to the 50s post-war. But I also just went with – I didn't restrict myself to sports cars. I restricted myself to what's a car that if I see it, I can think about, oh, that was from that decade. I know that okay. car is from that just decade. Just an iconic it's shape just, or look. It has a style that befits yeah. that decade. Yeah. And so I went with those kind of things. So many of them are sports cars, but some of them you're going to laugh at me and be like – yeah, that's a ridiculous car, but that's absolutely where that's from. <laughs> Do you have Cadillacs on your list? I don't. Really? I don't. Well, then, very good. I have zero Cadillacs on my list. As I, well. I mean, that would, there are some that fit, but I didn't think because you of know terms, what you're yeah. talking about could fit. You know, the 1959 Cadillac. Yeah. You know, the, yeah, yeah. Height of the tail fan era. That totally, could yeah. fit. Absolutely, and that is, it could, yeah. You know, very representative of that era. But we've got to jump in here. And by the way, before we do, I did note to you the other day that Dodge is the best position to go fully electric from here on out because they're mm. already at the high horsepower wars. True, yeah, yeah. yeah what yeah. does Dodge do next? Now, they don't have the sound that go with it. But mm-hmm. if they came out with full electric everything in their portfolio, that's the next jump. Forget that is the next hybrids. Power jump. You're forget right. everything else. They just need to jump straight from here to fully electric. Yeah, and they can continue on indefinitely. The next Hellcat is the electric cat. It's Something. A, it's a 1,200 horsepower electric motor. Yeah. Make a genuine drag racer, yeah. electric drag racing challenger. Now we're. <laughs> Kind of it even is, more super niche. It is, it is the way to step sideways uh, into new technology yeah. that is still along the trend of what they're doing, which is, by the way, have you seen our large stuff that goes very quickly? Versus the next generation. Well, we, we just added more boost to the supercharger. It's even bigger now. It can yeah. you know, yeah, suck yeah. small woodland creatures into it now. It already and, does. Yeah. It's already sawing through forests. You know? Yeah, exactly. All right. So back to our topic Tuesday. Past decades, starting with the 20s. Starting with the 20s. Iconic. Wow. All right. Okay. Sports cars is the 1927 Bugatti Type 35C Grand Prix. Wow. This wow. is a straight okay. eight engine, folks. Yeah. yeah, yeah. When you think of mechanical thrashing noises, <laughs> a thing that makes like, a mechanically like thrashing noise, yeah, yeah, yeah. it is a straight eight on a Bugatti Type 35. It is astounding how much shredding this thing does. (laughs) I like that description. It just does. That's very good. So I think uh, the 20s belong to Bugattis and Duesenbergs, like the Model J. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the height, I think, even though the Duesenbergs were large, huge cars. 20s didn't have too many sports cars, per se. They were still kind of figuring out you know, style versus coach work versus one-offs. And, you know, of course, mass production existed, but not in... You know, beautiful sports car form well, yet. Co- coupes just meant two doors. Mm-hmm. It was still a big boxy big, wagon huge. shape, but it was now yeah. just two doors. Yeah. And then with all the custom coach work you could do. Yeah. So I'll get us to 50s uh, and uh, jumping to the 30s here. The Cord L29 Boattail Speedster, 1930. Ooh, okay, all right. Beautiful, gorgeous, starting to get a little bit smaller. Small is relative. They're still <laughs> bigger than seven passenger SUVs. <clears throat> 
But I could say the 30s belong to the 1933 Alfa Romeo 8C, the 2300 Monza, mm. or the 37 Jaguar SS100. Tiny. Wow. There's okay. going to be a lot of British cars on my list. All right, good. The 1940s are difficult because, as you know, no American car maker introduced a new model in 1943 because they were all busy building tanks and airplanes. The 40s was a difficult time to release new things mm. that weren't dropping bombs or shooting uh, bullets. Yeah, it was that's true. Yeah. It was difficult Very era difficult, to come yeah. up with things. Mm-hmm. And I think the British still own this era from the Triumphs and Bristols and Heelys. But I did think of one, the 1948 Tucker Torpedo. Mm. Iconic when you think of 40s, late 40s just cars. Just post-war, yeah. Just yeah, post-war. Yeah, yeah. There's only 51 of them ever made, wow. and they're going for $3 million plus nowadays. Dang. Astounding. Yeah, other than that. Was Tucker the Elon Musk of his era? <laughs> I'm just having that thought right now. Was he the Elon Musk of his era but without Twitter? Possibly. Was, was he not successful because he just lacked a Twitter feed? Was I that mean, really his issue? Elon's built more cars than Preston Tucker ever did, but... I, yeah, but but he was fighting the man. He was. And he he was, was doing technology that the man didn't want to do, and he couldn't get the word out. If he, if, That's for sure. He just if, didn't if, have Twitter. If he just had Twitter, uh-huh. we might have Tuckers today. That's really the lesson. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. <laughs> we would have Tucker needed, needed the, Twitter. The That's internet really it. Yep. along with that then, yep. too, and a no, number of other things as well. But yes, yes, I take your point. But otherwise, the 40s, not too many 40s, you know, great-looking cars come across the, world, the auction block. The world was busy. The world was busy. B- B24's got to roll off the line, man. I'm sorry, but <laughs> exactly. your, your Bentley's going to have to wait. Liberators had to come, right? You better believe it. All right, so 50s, I say jump in here. 50s, uh, Chevy Bel Air. 57 oh, Chevy Bel Air. Good. That's just, I see good. that car. It's the one I've talked about before. I've seen one in England, didn't live very far away from where I lived in England when I was there as a kid Funny. in the late 70s, early 80s. And it was representative of, it was America and a car to me. I didn't know anything about cars, but I knew that was unlike anything huh. else I'd seen in 70s and 80s England. So the, the Chevy Bel Air with the, the two-tone paint and the fins and the that's so 50s, I can't stand it. That is The 50s. Corvette C1. The first-gen Corvette I'm totally with you. is there. The first-gen Ford Thunderbird yes, that was on my is list. also there. Yep. And the Aston Martin DB5. Oh, that, interesting. Those are all cars. I see a, a, a glance close to them. I know we're talking 1950s. All right. Well, I have to add the 55 Mercedes 300 SL Gullwing. Sure. Oh, yeah. Super-duper yeah, yeah, yeah. iconic. For sure. And I also had on my list the 1957 BMW 507 Roadster Series Ooh. 1. This Ooh, is the okay. Elvis Presley BMW Roadster. Okay. All right. If you don't think you've ever seen one, you have. If you've seen anything with Elvis. Yeah. By the way, in my research, I have turned up the fact that his estate still earns in excess of $700 million a year. <clears throat> I'm sorry. Really, that's astounding. I feel bad for him. I think they'll be okay. Yeah, so he uh, he bought one of those and loved it. And I, I've always associated the 507 with that's just interesting. Elvis. That's, it's such a great-looking car, yeah. It's so yeah. beautiful. And then, we of have course, to post a lot of these photos. We, we, we should, we should. But that spawned yeah. the uh, the BMW Z8. That was the inspiration for the BMW Z8 yep, later right. on with that gorgeous V8 in it. So Very cool, very cool. 1960s, I know, look, there's a lot of low-hanging fruit in the 60s. But I was trying a to lot. think. I was trying to, yeah, and there's there's tons here I didn't even mention. But I was trying to think of the ones that I instantly identify with the '60s: Jaguar E Type, of yes, course, yes, Mustang, good, Camaro, okay, late '60s now, Charger. Yeah. Think about the Dukes of Hazard, <laughs> yeah. General Lee. That's 1969, very good. very good, and the Alpha Spider. Nice. That's just the '60s right there. You can also go look. You could also go. The uh, the hippie cars, the Volkswagen Beetle and the painted up vans. You could also do that from the sure, 60s. Sure, sure, you but could. But those cars existed prior. It's just that's when they that's when they belong as well. Funny, you you had some really good ones on there. I had this 1960 Aston Martin DB4 GT. Just okay. think James Bond, even though he was more DB5, yeah. but same yeah. kind of look to it. And a Sunbeam Tiger, the one of the, the Sunbeam original Tiger. That's you know, good. Once that hooks up, it's got a V8 in it. It's this tiny thing that was <laughs> once the, it hooks the, up the original monster look Miata. Out. That is a good description. You're right. You know, it's yeah. the original flying Miata V8 in a yeah. tiny little thing. But also the 66 Shelby 427 Cobra, yeah, super iconic. Yeah, very much so. Can't forget the 67 Toyota 2000 GT. Mm-hmm. And there was also a little car called the 63 Porsche 911. <clears throat> that is in there, yeah. I'm astounded at how many iconic things started cars. Then, yeah. 60s. You're right. You're right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Amazing. Yeah. All right. 1970s is the crazy decade. Okay. <laughs> uh, you, you know, you, you think disco, you think excess. 
it get, it gets it all gets pulled back in the eighties. Okay, yeah. So in the seventies, yeah. we've got the uh, Fire Chicken Trans Am. Oh, good. That's good. I mean, that's just a nineteen seventies car. That's totally on wheels. Also, nineteen seventies on wheels. The C three Corvette with the big fenders. Very true. Very that's true. So seventies. Like it. I always think of the uh, the nineteen seventy five. It's the twenty fifth anniversary edition. It's the uh, the black and gray two tone Indy car. Oh, version. sure. The you pace know, car. That. The pace version, car. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That, that I think it was seventy five. But that Somewhere was there, yeah. 70s. So, uh, but the C3 with those fenders, I mean, that just says 70s. But even though, and here's the thing, when we did our American original Corvette film, yeah. that C3 begins in 68. Mm-hmm. And I actually think it kind of looks best then because it's, it's the most delicate version that design's going to have. But then they keep tweaking it and kind of exaggerating it. But into it got the 70s. iconic in the 70s. Exactly. It became yeah. kind of, it became larger than life in the 70s. It's kind of like that car grew with the bell bottoms if you know what i mean it just becomes more and more absurd and that's why it's so very 70s you have a future in marketing paragraphs absolutely the car that grew with bell bottoms you better believe it uh plymouth barracuda oh especially in like a green or a purple that's the 70s that is that is the 1970s lancia stratos nice Countach is is on my list, but for the eighties, I can see it. No, it, it it straddles because it's a thing in the seventies, but it's also a thing in the eighties. Because it just yeah. it really became yeah, even I see more it. of a I see thing. Yeah. I had the Lamborghini Miura S for the seventies. Okay, sure. I also had the yeah, Ferrari yeah. Dino. Yeah, that's a seventies car in yeah. brown. There you go. Yeah, just come on. Or that's or 70s. that or that. And I'm a guy that likes bright colors. Or that unattractive like faded butter yellow. Yes. That's very 70s. Yes. Don't like that yellow at all, by the way. (laughs) I also had the 74 BMW 2002 Turbo. Mm -hmm. That was like the pinnacle of 2002s. That's the best one. You want that gorgeous looking. Porsche 911s, really associated with the 70s in more chocolate brown. Yeah. And of course, Joshua, the 240Z belongs here as well. Mm -hmm. Love it. Yeah. All right, so yeah, I had Countach for the '80s. What did what else do you have for the '80s? Uh, '80s. Look, this is where I'm getting farther from from sports cars into cars that I just personally identify with decades. But I do have to say, in the '80s, the first thing that comes to my mind is a 308 Ferrari because of Magnum PI. Nice 308 Ferrari Magnum PI. You know you're in the 1980s. You instantly do. You just yeah. You also things you know are from the '80s, and you're horrified. The Chrysler K cars. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Those boxy, LeBaron, Reliant, Aries things that all looked vaguely the same with different body panels that Lee Iacocca used to save Chrysler. And they're they're all terrible, but they're all so of their time. I blocked those out of my memory. Uh, Welcome back. Sorry. man. Yeah, yeah, you're welcome. So, but, but I thought that's where those go. Those, that is the 1980s in a car is those K cars. I hate to say it. Well, now I'm thinking of Ricardo Montalban and rich Corinthian leather. That's all I can think about now. (laughs) I'm sorry. Also (laughs) in the eighties, Kit, the Trans Am. (laughs) Good. That's an eighties car. Yeah. Uh, The, uh, the Mercedes SL. That version of the SL, sure, that was the icon. I know I keep blending for, for TV, any soap opera, but, really. But yes, exactly. That was such such the excess car, you mm-hmm. know, from soap operas to LA Law to whatever. It was like seriously, think about <laughs> totally. it. Think about it. It was that totally. was when that because that design was timeless for a while. Yeah, but it it belongs in the eighties. Good. All right. Here's some more. Testarossa goes here. Come yeah, on, Miami it Vice. It does, yeah. I've got it on my list, too. Keep all going. All right, all right. The C4 Corvette belongs here, too, because it was such a departure. It sure. Was so blocky and We're, different and aerodynamic. We dash, and, and look at us. Yeah. Digital everything. Mm-hmm. DeLoreans? Yes, the DeLoreans Anybody? on my list as well. DeLorean, big time. Yep. 1985 Saab Turbos. Saab Ooh, was I like huge. It. I like it. So were 1988 Toyota MR2s. Okay. The yeah. doorstop. Yeah, yeah. The Pontiac Fiero. Yep. The Subaru Brat. There it is. There it is. <laughs> and IROC Camaros. I was all about IROC Camaros. So 80s. But while, while we're in the 80s, while we're doing those icons, I had the DeLorean too. But also think of, think of these. The M3. Good. It's an 80s car. Good. Very iconic design too with those slightly flared fenders. Yeah, yeah. Porsche 959. <sighs> it's, it's timeless, but it goes there. Holy grail car. Ferrari F40. Oh, good. Although I had the F40 in, you know, as 1991, but it, it straddles the... It's right at the tail end right of the decade the is when, it, yeah. when, it, when it drops, which makes it a little weird. But also, I have to say it, I, I know we're all horrified, but you know what else was introduced in the 80s? Oh, no. In my things that are not designed well, but yet they, oh, no. they stick. The minivan. 
Oh, right. That was like 84, wasn't it? Mid-80s. Well, during the K-Car era. Yeah. Dodge Chrysler does the minivan. Look, they did K-Cars and the minivan. The K-Cars have died and the minivan refuses to. But that was in the... And actually, the early minivan, some of them had like that that wood panel cladding on the side. I mean, we're talking The Voyager. The Voyager. Plymouth was still around. Yeah. Minivans. Holy moly. All right. 1990s. What did you have here? Uh, continuing my trend of things that are not good, but man, they go with an era. Dodge Neon. <laughs> 90s car. That is a wow. car from the Saturns. Oh. That oh. is a design language from the 90s, isn't it? It's just a design language from that decade. There I, used not, to be Saturn ownership meetings, and it was like a huge it was a cult. Woodstock it gathering. It was a cult. Yeah. It was a cult. Yeah, yeah. So there, Saturns go there. Plymouth Prowler. Okay. That's a 90s design. That is totally 90s Again, design. Again, and I'm saying things that are of their era, not necessarily things that are good. I, I, went, I went broad with the definition, was okay? Th- everybody discovered retro and thought it was cool for a while. Well, but I feel like the 2000s is when that happened. I, I feel like there's a lot of that in the 2000s coming up. There is. But there I, is. the Prowler is like the tail end of the 90s, and then everybody else goes, let's look backwards. But Saturn's <laughs> Dodge Neon, those are both mm. 90s cars. Ford Explorer shows up in the 90s, and the SUV craze follows. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that, and, and honestly, per, personally, when I think Ford Explorer, I think first gen, and those are all '90s. When I think of what does an Explorer look like, the mental picture in my head is the one, the original design out of the '90s. Okay, I okay, hear you. So that's where that is. Uh, trying to save us in this decade. Uh, also, the Miata starts here. Yeah, the Miata is the winner for me, hands down. In the that '90s, is so iconic. Nissan 300ZX, timeless good, design good. out of that era. Dodge Viper mm-hmm. and the Lamborghini Diablo. <laughs> Those are 90s cars, folks. All right. The Miata's the winner for me, hands down. And in terms of sports cars, and Joshua, yes to the Acura NSX here. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, all yeah, day long. yeah, for sure. Absolutely. But what about the Toyota Supra, the A80? Mm-hmm. What about the Mitsubishi 3000 GT VR4? Yeah. The Mazda RX-7, a 91 Ferrari F40, and I even had the 95 McLaren F1 because of all of Oof, you know the aspirational posters yeah. on our walls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Had to have that car. But then... You know, I'm just going to tear that all down by mentioning the Ford Probe. Interesting car, terrible name. And everybody just went, yeah, the Probe. What? No. Yay. No wonder it died in its second generation. But that could have been a cool car. I think the it second, started out with a cool shape. I think the second gen was actually a great design. It just had the name Probe. It just had the name Ford Probe and happened to be front-wheel drive. These were, these were catastrophic problems with that. <laughs> yeah. All right, moving on to the aughts. The 2000s, I actually think the 2000s, especially the early 2000s, this is the postmodern decade when all we're doing is looking back and designing cars that look like older cars. And I will start, I will start with a car Retros, I cool. clearly dearly love. Okay. The Lotus Elise was designed after a combination of the Ferrari 308 and the Dino. It was designed after those cars. Yes, but and it did it in a good car. way. It's actually late 90s, but anyway. Still, yes. the Ford GT, same thing. Ooh. You're looking back. Yeah. It's a good design, but you're looking back. Another good design, but you're looking back. Think about what happened to both the Chevy Camaro and the Mustang in the 90s. Mm. They took them, and they, they looked back, and they made the new version of that. Don't have a warm feeling in my heart for those I know cars. You don't, I know you don't, but at the then, same time, that, that's when they kind of reclaimed the design on both of those, and now they're just tweaking what they did in the 2000s. Hmm. Hmm. All right. I'm going to add to that. As a definitive car, because it went to water cooled in '99, and then the I know where you are. the yeah. 2000 996 Porsche 911. Mm-hmm. But do you remember when the Nissan 350Z came out? Yeah, that just three. shocked everybody. That was it just been gone a while. The been awesome gone for a decade. Yeah, car, come yeah, yeah. on! It was just it's back. Sports yeah, cars totally. are back. Mm-hmm. And now there's just beat on spec racer Zs, and it's kind of become like the Miatas have. They're yeah. iconic. They're proven. Yeah, they're thorough. They're fast. You know, all those things. But do you want to just drive a regular 350Z? Yeah. Eh, eh, I don't know. But what also goes here is the Honda S2000. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Super iconic. But it is a 2000 car. The the pinnacle of Honda design going Mm -hmm. from 90s into the 2000s. I've also got to include the Mazda RX-8 here because they kept things going. Yeah, yeah, just The triple lobe design on everything. On from everything. The tailpipes yep. to the seat inserts to the steering wheel to the shifter. It's everywhere. To, it's everywhere. They're fun to drive. Yikes. But yeah, they, they really 
really wanted you to notice there was a rotary in there, and they wanted you to understand <laughs> the engineering. Have you noticed our and, rotary? Yeah, look, look at this picture, and look at this. The image is here, too. And by the way, have you seen this shape? Yeah, that was on that car. And at crazy. that point, you know, Lamar, their, their winning car, the 91 four-cam, four-lobe rotary, yeah. had won Lamar, but nobody really even remembered or cared. <laughs> <laughs> Except for rotary enthusiasts. Except for rotary enthusiasts, but yes. you know, I was just like, "Hey, have seen rotary? It's the wave of the future." Not really, <laughs> but it's cool. It's honestly, rotary motors are like an ongoing car lovers science project, <laughs> aren't they? They never really go away, and we and yeah. we we all we all kind of go, "Those are cool," while we let someone else tinker for, with it for other people to own. You know, it is kind of that. Yeah. It really is. They're fun to drive. The engines are awesome when they're running great. They burn <laughs> when they're a lot of oil. And, you know, yeah. <laughs> Slurping oil. Yeah, they're cool, though. Uh, all right, the 10s. Go to the 10s. Uh, I kind of stopped at the 2000s. I thought, aren't we in the 10s? But I'm but going to go, the future. Go anyway. Go for it. I'm yeah. going C7 Corvette. I mean, that dropped on everybody right. now. Like it. Corvette could be cool to own for yeah. all ages. Yeah, okay. All right. It's trying to change that. Yeah, for sure. Here becomes the Cayman. The Cayman exists. Yeah. I mean, the Boxster had before, but the Cayman appears. Oh, but the Cayman's in like 06, 07, though. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose. It's, you know, but I But they're guess refining it out. I they're, see where you're going. Okay. Refine it. 911. Your Lotus Elise. The Nissan GTR, even though mm-hmm. that was sort of the tail end and yeah, it was crossing over to yeah, 2010. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And the Toyota 86, definitive. Yeah, it is. That is an icon of its era. And I think, honestly, the Supra's probably in there, too. That'll be a, 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 20, mm-hmm. you know, a late two, uh, 2010s car. That, people are going to know that that's when it's from. It's from this decade. But what's crazy is we're touching 2020 right now. We are. The C8 Corvette, I think I'm given the decade of the 2020s. You're calling it for next decade? That's funny. And, of course, whatever Porsche decides to do. I of course. Yeah, that's on its way. Yeah. To a lesser degree, Genesis, Acura, Mazda, Toyota, BMW, Audi, Volkswagen, and Tesla. I can't see other car manufacturers really jumping in. I mean, they'll jump in with performance versions mm-hmm. of the thing, but pure sports cars? Yeah. Tough to say. Well, you bring up, interestingly enough, even though I don't think... They are the greatest designs ever. I think in the same way that I've talked about prior decades, I think the 2010s, the Tesla design will go there. That look mm-hmm. that we all know of sure. what a Tesla look, looks like goes in this decade we're just about to end. That's yeah. where it's from. This is why Dodge could own the future too. All electric from here on out. The next everything. <laughs> We've just stopped building Hellcat motors and we're building Whatever Electricat. Yeah. yeah, the Electricat. That's, that's where we're headed. At the, who knew? They're perfectly Dodge, positioned. We're solving your problems. We, I, look, I mentioned K cars and minivans. <laughs> we're trying to save you now with the Electricat. Anyway. We've got folks from around the world who frequently ask us about the roads we shoot on, but they also ask us about great driving roads near them. Now there's an app that will help anyone worldwide discover and share the best driving roads everywhere. Driveline app allows you to easily record and classify your favorite road. You can even mark great pit stops and attach photos and videos if you like. With Driveline, you can follow people in great areas. You can search an area you've never seen, and if you find a route you like, you select Drive It, and you'll be guided to the beginning of a new favorite drive. You can even earn points and patches for your activity on the app. These build up toward actual car giveaways. That's right. As the community grows, Driveline will be giving away cars to members, and your postings and drivings get you entered to win. We've never seen anything like this, and we love the mixture of community and great drives. You can get in early right now to help shape the app and the community as well. Download Driveline to your phone today, start sharing your favorite roads, meet other drivers, and find a new route for your next adventure. Summer's here, and with that comes sunshine and blistering hot car interiors. I know that leather seat seemed like a great idea at the time until you scalded your legs. All you need is a custom sunscreen from Covercraft. These foldable sunscreens fit perfectly in the windshield of your car, and they keep your car a lot cooler while you're off enjoying the sunshine or whatever you're doing. I have used these for years, and I'm telling you, I swear by them. These custom sunscreens from Covercraft are available in a whole range of colors, and they're a simple, affordable way for you to keep your car cooler all summer long and protected from damaging UV rays all year long. We swear by our custom sunscreens from Covercraft. It's one of our favorite car accessories. And remember, you can get 10% off your car sunscreen by using the code EVERYDAY right now at Covercraft.com, or you can follow the link from our sponsors page. We're often asked how we find the cars we recommend, because we do a lot of research for the show. Local or nationwide, our searches start with our friends at Auto Tempest. Instead of searching each car site separately, you can enter your parameters into Auto Tempest one time and search them all at once. You can see results from Cars.com, Cars Direct, eBay, and more, 
or you can jump to OtterTrader and CarGurus without entering anything new. You can even search all of Craigslist nationwide. You know how hard it is to search Craigslist all at once? You can with AutoTempest. AutoTempest can help you find your next new or used car if there's a dozen in your neighborhood or two in the entire country. Plus, the folks at AutoTempest actually do listen to this very podcast right along with you, and they're always looking for ways to refine the site to make it better. They already have research tools, buyer and seller guides, and are listening to what features users want. So if we give you drive homework or you're chasing your dream car or you're just looking to feed the disease, autotempest.com is the place to start. Heck, I was honored an hour ago. Jeremy M. in Minnesota is writing to us with a rather diverse garage. Yes, very. Jeremy, this email really stuck out because of the diversity. Yeah, big time. And uh, I appreciate you saying that we're the NPR of car podcasts. Informative, take, we're checking facts. I'll take that as a compliment. Uh, yeah, sure. absolutely. I we get was... stuff wrong and we actually try to backpedal what we do. You know, we, <laughs> we're, we're, aware, we're aware of the fact we are for perfect. Sure. Yeah. For sure. But ultimately, you know, we want to infect everybody with the disease. Completely. And people are writing to us saying, well, thanks to you guys, you jerks. I bought yes. a car. We're getting, we're Congratulations. Getting, we're getting the tongue-in-cheek blame emails now. Those <laughs> are becoming great. a regular feature where it's like, guys, your fault. Photo. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. All right. So... He's currently got four cars in his three-car garage, as enthusiasts do. That's the man infected with the disease mm-hmm. right there, for sure, yep. Well, his wife's daily driver is a 2017 Mazda CX-5. Okay. Great. Perfectly good for that, yeah. Then we go straight to a 2013 Evo 10 like it. GSR that he bought new, mm-hmm. a 94 Mazda RX-7 that he Very bought in cool. 2000. Very cool. And a 2002 Dodge Viper he's had for a year. <laughs> I don't think we've had too many people write to us that either own, have owned, or you're, contemplating purchasing you're right. it's not a Viper. Common. You're right. This really stuck out. Now, he works as, as an IT consultant. He travels to clients. He says his drive is no less than an hour every day occasionally going to three hours because of his clients. Mm -hmm. And he says, needless to say, all three of my choices are torturous to drive (laughs) anything longer than two hours on the freeway. And he's borrowing the CX-5 now. I'm surprised he can handle two hours in any of those cars, to be honest. I mean, I feel like like 20 minutes in a Viper and get out and sear your leg again. It's raw meat. (laughs) I didn't say like Viper in a weird, random... Why kaleidoscope of Viper patterns backwards. on your Anyway, uh, you should never wear shorts. Anyway, <laughs> th- so, he's, so he's driving his wife's CX-5, which, which honestly, the thing he didn't cover here, Jeremy, by the way, when you drive your wife's CX-5, what does she drive? Which of those does she gravitate toward? Why because, are the Viper back tires bald? Honey! Because I can't imagine she's thrilled to drive any of those three, but I, but I genuinely like to know which of those does she That's drive. That's a great question. He's failed to mention this. Yeah, because when he's gone for the day in her car... She's got those three options left. Maybe drops her off at work, or maybe she takes an Uber to where she needs to go. Or I mean, I hope. Look, I hope she rocks the Viper. I, I, but my that'd be quite awesome. The the thing for me is you don't cover the fact that when you've taken your wife's car, you've left her with those three beasts, <laughs> all of which you acknowledge are not fun to be in to exactly. do normal random stuff. Here's three dirty diapers, honey. Sorry, you're gonna have to choose which one you want to drive today. <laughs> all right. So also the budget here. He's been considering a GT car. He says he's 40 years old, doesn't mind harsh suspension, having daily driven a 91 RX-7, and the current Evo GSR is new since 2013. He does his own maintenance short of engine out procedures. All right. Well, so that's why no Ferrari's on the list. That's true. But (laughs) otherwise, everything's open. It'd be all Ferraris, but we can't take the engine out. I love that. That's very funny. But it it proves the fact that he doesn't need creature comforts, and he's not worried about a stiff ride. But he's, he's looking at these three cars that he owns. And realizing I need something that I could do two or three hours in the freeway and it, and it works. But it's still fun. I mean, if the ad says you don't have to take the engine out to service it, he'll buy it. He could. Yes, for sure. That's, that's, that's on the list for Jeremy. Which is most cars. I yeah, mean, That's exactly. good news, actually, for a lot of us. The budget is high. It's $80,000. Mm-hmm. But he says, I've got to sell one of these three. Mm-hmm. The Evo, the RX-7, or the Viper. One of them is going. He needs four doors. And he's got a three-year-old daughter. So no more two-door cars for now. He's also, as I said, in Minnesota, he's comfortable with rear-wheel drive. He's got winter tires in the winter. And he goes to Costco twice a month, Mm -hmm. you know, so he needs a little bit of cargo capacity. Yeah. And right now his top three are the Alfa Romeo Giulia Quadrifoglio, the QV. Yes, sir. The Audi RS5 Sportback Mm -hmm. or the Mercedes C63S. Also a monster. So the problem is, first, we've got to decide which car is going. Mm-hmm. RX-7, mm-hmm. Viper, or the Evo. Now he says the Viper, or the Evo, feels insane with the best reflexes. In the winter, it's 
unmatched and feels I'm like playing surprised. dirt yeah. rally. Yep, I agree. Spacious back seats. He's already kind of got a four-door. Yeah, for sure. I mean, really. And, you know, he says freeway driving gets irritating after an hour. I think freeway driving gets irritating after like seven minutes I agree in that with car. You. Yeah, yeah. The GSR especially. Here's the thing. Jeremy, I'm going to submit this to you as a guy that has ridden in both. Well, own, I own the rally art. And I have driven in both the front and back seat of a GSR. Yes, you can tolerate that car for up to an hour on the freeway if you're driving. If you're in the back seat, you're done in about 10 minutes. That car is loud and rattly from the back seat. So, but I but I do hear you. I actually think that car stays. I'm going to put put the flag in the ground right now okay. because okay. of its winter capability and also because you've owned it so long, you like it so much still. Sure. Because you know its dynamics and you know its history, make that the all-purpose winter car. If it's crazy outside, mm-hmm. you're taking the mm-hmm. Evo. Okay. Okay. I like it. I'm with you on the Evo. And because earlier, Jeremy, in your email, you said that the RX-7 gets a lot of looks when you take it to car shows. Mm-hmm. He says it gets the most attention, is is more enjoyable to drive to cars and coffee while having the best feel, but is the worst money pit. <laughs> the Viper is scary, he says, and makes me feel like I'm doing something dangerous. Not surprising. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's Vipers in a nutshell. And the seating position is awful. I mean, so good news all around. Not only are you doing something dangerous, <laughs> your life's in danger. Might kill me, and I'm uncomfortable yeah, in the meantime. Super yeah. uncomfortable. Yeah. All right. So, uh, where do we go from here? Needs the four doors. I kind of stuck to that. And I actually, my wild card, I'm going to save you money, but then not really. Oh, well, that sounds, so, like, kind that sounds like you. Yeah, I right. got it. So I thought the Tesla Model S just seems too on the nose here. It just seems too obvious. So yeah. maybe. Okay. Maybe. All right. I mean, it depends It depends on when he's doing three hours, what's the mileage on that? And can he charge when he gets there? Mm-hmm. Okay. Because mm-hmm. if he's doing three hours one way and three hours back, he's going to need a charge. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I also like your Alpha Julia um, quadfolio idea. Mm-hmm. We just had an email from listener Michael Saban who informed us about low voltage issues in those cars, which could be the cause of all these problems. And really all you do is change the battery. Get a better battery, yeah. He he was one he was theorizing as an owner now. He was theorizing And he's an owner and he's had great success with that his. because apparently the early ones had low voltage issues that he wonders and he's purely wondering, he doesn't know, if the car a lot of the car and driver problems that they had for their forty thousand miles could have been solved by a heavy duty better battery because mm-hmm. if you followed that that listing that's made a big splash. We keep coming back to it. But uh, if you follow that listing, a lot of their issues were electrical related. He was theorizing it might be it. But he also is saying that, look, biasly as an owner going, I have one, and it's been phenomenal. Yeah, which is actually great to hear. It is good to hear. And yeah. that's the simplest solve on the planet. Yeah, exactly. If that solves the issues yeah, and suddenly brilliant. we've discovered it, Michael – you're a hero. Yeah, for sure. For Honestly, sure. That, that means we're all now searching the classifieds for used quadfolios. And a battery fund. And a That's really battery. What but, but honestly, this thing with Jeremy here, when, when I was reading his whole breakdown, and then I read $80,000, I instantly went, well, you need a quadfolio. And then he listed it. Which is great. I love that. Yeah, I, yeah. That was the car that instantly popped to mind. And then three sentences later, he mentions it is on the list. Jeremy, that is extreme shortlist car for me for you. I have other options, but I want to really back your play on that car. Get a used one and a battery for 300 bucks. <laughs> You're saving your money here. I don't see a problem. All right, so I went shopping for you because you didn't say it had to be a new car. I found a 2017 BMW M6 Grand Coupe. With 19,541 miles wow. for about 73,000. And I'm looking at cars because, uh, Jeremy, it seems like you need different stuff. Mm-hmm. The Mercedes, great car. I don't great think car. it's you. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. The Audi RS5, great car. I don't think it's you. You're thinking he needs something just a little bit off center, a little bit off Absolutely. Normal. I see. I a see conversation yeah. piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, just. Mm-hmm. Why that? Yeah. Because of his other eclectic collection. Because of his garage. I think that's so a great So I went to M6 yeah. Grand Coupe, but that just still wasn't weird enough. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. Keep going. So I went shopping for Aston Martin Rapides. Oh, no. I found you one, Jeremy. 2014. 
Aston Martin Repeat S with the V12. The 6-liter V12. Have you ever wanted to own a V12? Have you ever wanted to work on an Aston Martin V12? You like doing non-engine-out procedures. They don't have to have their engine out. 9,716 miles really? on a 2014 for 79.9. That's shocking. And you can have yourself a 6-liter V12 four-door sedan. The cargo capacity is really impressive when you fold the rear seats down. Yes. You can get lumber back and, there. And the rear seats are fine when you put... Put a small person in it. Don't yeah. put an adult in there, but you have a little girl, so well, problem solved. I mean, they'll hate you, but then they'll realize that they're riding in your Aston Martin Repeat V12, and they'll be like, oh, okay, I guess we're good for another 10 minutes. But, well, but it's it's okay, because you just don't want to put full-size adults back there. Kids will be fine. Yeah. I mean, the kids versus the leather on that car, you're going to need uh, look. Find out everything <laughs> Covercraft has ever made for a Repeat and exactly. buy it all. Just buy it all. coat the inside of yeah. your Repeat with Covercraft stuff. Yeah. I want to know why a Panamera is not on your list. That's the next one on my list. Still not weird enough. I, I think, but I think the Panamera he needs to go drive. I, really, I do. I agree. I that. think I, drive I the Quadrifoglio and seriously consider the Panamera. I have one other one on my list. I'm curious okay. if you'll hit it. But the the Quadrifoglio and the Panamera for me are are the one two for you, Jeremy. Okay. Here's my wild card, Jeremy. The thing I think you should go do. Okay. Buy yourself a Civic Type R for 34K while you go put down your deposit on a new Porsche Taycan. Interesting. Because I want you to experience that Civic Type R because it's great for commuting. It's yeah. excellent. Yeah. And it's a sports car, and it's still manual. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then you might think, well, I've got something kind of buzzy and frantic and close to that, and that's the Evo. And by that time, your Taycan will be built, and you'll take delivery of your Taycan. <laughs> Remember how I mentioned the, the yeah. Tesla Model S? Uh-huh. I think you need a Taycan in your life. And I say this without the cars actually being available for sale or even having driven it yet. Do we? I like it. Do we know you can get one for 80? Are they going to be that low? We'll see. And low is low is in quotes. So you can't see the air quotes. Remember the but, statement at the beginning when I says I'm going to save you money and then, and then I'm going to really? yeah, spend it, it all? Got I kind of okay. blew that out. So no, they're got probably it. nowhere close to 80, but save money now. It's got only it. You could probably get one for 32. And meanwhile, you're squirreling away and adding to the fund over here Funny. and throwing more money. Funny. And then you put your deposit down for $2,700, and then you go get that Taycan. And that's wow. your future because then okay. you'll have a genuine Porsche in your lineup. It's an electric car. You'll still have the buzzy Evo yeah. and this cool Cars and Coffee, the RX-7. Mm-hmm. And you'll never have to borrow your wife's CX-5. Again. So, so the Viper's gone. Yep. But I see where you... Wow. I, and I like the, the breadth of the garage still. That's very cool. And it's still kind like of a that. weird garage. I do like that. A yeah, weird, yeah, yeah. cool garage. I think the Viper goes too. Do you? I do. Because I, I think... I, because of the leg searing problem be, when you get out? Because it's not ergonomic. Because he finds it a little bit scary. And it, it's here's the thing. It's not a car he drives for other people, which mm-hmm. is the RX-7. And, and please don't get me wrong. He said he enjoys the RX-7, but it's also clear that you that you drive it for other people. Okay? Right. And true. And it, it, is, it is your one entry into small, lightweight, agile. It's that one. Yeah. The Viper is there to be your, I can't believe you own one of those and this has power. But this new thing we're dropping kind of re- overlaps that a bit. Mm-hmm. It's going to mm-hmm. be more usable, nicer to be in, and is going to be powerful. Yeah. So, okay. So the Viper can go. The Evo has a purpose. The RX-7 stays for now. I think there's also a potential here where you get rid of the RX-7 and the Viper. Oh, and find yourself another rear-wheel drive car that just runs. Oh, think and I'm off in wildcard territory, but think '86. Think think Miata RF. Think something that is just its whole purpose is to be two-wheel drive, rear-wheel drive, manual transmission, and run. That's its entire reason hmm. for being. And you got rid of the RX-7 and the Viper, and you got that. I think hmm. there's a, there's a world there where the Evo is the only one of your three that stays. But I do think the Viper goes. Quadrifolio is my first one for you. Panamera is the next one, and you also should drive the Cadillac CTS-V. <laughs> yeah. Those are fast. Big, fast, four-door sedan, tons of power, nice to be in. That's a real contender. You want to saw through miles on the road, any of those three true, cars true. would be fantastic. So I hope one I like of those it. works for you. I, I also thought about you know if you got rid of the RX-7 and the Viper, and you want okay. to get something that had look, – look, the thing that the RX-7 does is it's agile. The thing that the Viper does is it gives you that kind of raw immediacy that's not really all that common anymore. Mm-hmm. It's a mm-hmm. little scary. I thought about what are cars that combine both of those features? C4ZR1. Oh, good. Yeah. It's raw, but it's got the yeah. big old engine under the hood, so it's got like the Viper angry personality engine, but it's got <laughs> the, the raw kind of more dynamic feel. But you can feel. cruise. I yes. can't see cruising in a Viper. 1980s 911. Get yourself an 87, yeah, 88, yeah. just 911. 
like it. Some old school magic there. Or get yourself a 90s 300ZX. Also good. Because it's the same era as the RX-7, but the nicest one out there, twin turbo, is twenty grand. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't think they are the most reliable cars ever, but they are compared to the RX-7. They are hard to work on, but you're able to work on cars, and you'll have to take the engine out. So that's another one as well. The best part I like about all of our ideas, Jeremy, is that it keeps your garage eclectically weird. Which is perfect. It's it, just like with that variety. plus that doesn't eat what? With variety. I yeah. love that too. I think that's key. A lot of variety. Love it. All right. Jumping to audience questions here on uh, Instagram. Yep. There's a question over here that uh, is from Back9Ben. According to recent news reports, Nissan as a brand is struggling. Yes. They have arguably the most diverse lineup of any automaker, yet each model is equally dull and soulless. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've noticed. Good have news, you? we're dull and soulless, but at least we have a lot of them. But man, they're not on sale, so come come get your whatever. How much do we think the lack of passion in their products is to blame for their current struggles, their current woes? I think that's 90% of it, to be honest. I think that they've gotten a bit lost and factions within the company, mm. namely the accountants and the the folks that just want to make it for profit have gotten in the way of the soul. Okay. Not the Kia soul, but the soul of they've the company. They've taken their cubicles down and they've made barricades on opposite sides of the office and they throw staplers back and forth. I don't yes. know where I just went, but I just that's what that, I, that's, that what, that's the picture in my head. This like is this t- is this is a Tuesday <laughs> at Nissan Tuesday. right now. <laughs> yes. Wow, I, Stapler Wars Part Four. I come armed. Yeah. Head to Staples before you come to work. Look out! Yes. Yeah. He started throwing chairs. Jerry and accounting's throwing chairs. <laughs> anyway. Wow, this could be... <laughs> Sorry, I, I don't know. Off there, the cliff we go. All right. No, I, I do think that because if I were to ask you, Back Nine Ben, what is definitively Nissan? Mm. What qualities make that car definitively, I'm driving a Nissan? Because we, you That's can say question. that about a Porsche. You can say that about a BMW. You can say that about you a Hyundai. You can say about a Mazda. You can say that about a Mazda and a Honda. What... Yeah. What about this car feels mm. Nissan-like? Mm. That's good. I don't That's a good know. Question. Yeah, it's a it's, great question. It's a CVT from that car, and it's got parts over here, and the key fob on the GTR is the same as the Altima. Yuck. <laughs> yeah, I see it. What, I see it. Yeah. what is it? So, yeah, that's where you save money. That key fob is not special. It's a special car, and it's not special for the GTR. <laughs> it's terrible. Fair point. Fair point. Bad yeah. idea. Yeah. Just, uh, they're expensive now. Yeah, they are. And they're product lineup for sports cars and enthusiast cars is pretty old. Very, very, very. Now, I'm worried about what this does, their current struggles, what this is all doing to the product planning because, you know, for any company when you're in, you know, struggling and you're trying to revive things, you don't touch sales. You don't touch product development. Mm, mm -hmm. You want to innovate. They've got to innovate. So, is it Infinity coming out with, you know, maybe they're just going all electric in this current lineup, Mm, hopefully, mm -hmm. is going to be washed all away and just be a nice distant memory like K-Cars. <laughs> Until I bring it back. Yeah. yeah I, but then, I, I, yeah, I, I think that the, uh, the driving dynamics have been ignored in favor of fleets and volume. And, and let's reduce things economy. to just the, yeah. the business, you know, and scraping margins off of that supplier and, yeah. you yeah. know, putting them under your thumb and, and grinding them into the earth on that cost-cutting measure and this and trying to, you know, reuse parts across the board. Is that good business? Yeah, that's good business. It happens across the automotive industry. It happens across all kinds of industries. It has yeah. to. It yeah, has for to. for sure, for sure. But how are other car makers, how is Acura coming up with brilliant cars that well, are still kind of unknown? How, yes. How are their SUVs just dang good? I'll go you one further, okay? Mazda's lineup has an answer for everything in Nissan's lineup. It's a good point. Okay. Okay. Generally, that that's what we're talking about, like the Mazda 3. Get in a Mazda 3 and get in a Sentra. I'll be shocked. I'm not even saying drive them. I'll be shocked if you buy the Sentra. What does the Versa compete with in the Mazda lineup? Uh, Can we just yeah. throw the Versa away? Can we just like... The Versa, Versa, Versa versus the CX-3. Okay, good. You okay. Know? And I'm sorry, would you buy the Versa? Look <laughs> at and get in the CX-3 and look at and get in the Versa. Would you buy the Versa? So renting a Versa is like a you know prison separate sentence. thing separate thing. So I, I really think a bit, but my point here is Mazda is is their direct competitor even in pricing. And yet Fair. one of the interesting things Fair. about Mazda, if you climb in a Mazda vehicle right now, is their interiors feel upscale. They feel upscale in their class. Yeah, for sure. How is Mazda doing it? Mazda is tiny. 
They are. In comparison, they're tiny. And Mazda is not owned by a larger conglomerate like Nissan is. They're in a weird spot. Yeah. I'm worried, again, about product development. I'm worried about what the design team is now being asked to focus on. Mm. I don't know. But, you know, is it the next generation 370Z or whatever the new Z car? Is it yeah. the next GTR Halo car, the aspirational... Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Those are not eighty grand anymore, by the way. They're two hundred thousand dollars. So no, <laughs> they're not the cheap not GTR. It's yeah, they're not going to be a bit pricey. Yeah, but I'm just saying, you know, across the board, let's have some enthusiasm in the lineup and bring back, you know, the real true true enthusiasts, the car folks, to mm-hmm. have more influence on the designs, and it, they're in desperate need. So if they keep if they pour money towards that and and keep doing that, they've got to. Uh, They've got actually a better chance than any other car company because they have Renault in their hip pocket with all of that manufacturing expertise and design mm-hmm. expertise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. We'll see. Uh, Christopher L. asked on Facebook, actually told us a story on Facebook. All of the questions I picked are like paragraphs. Told us a story on Facebook, and I have to just kind of stop for a second and shake my head and go, really, Chris? Because he found the podcast a while back, and now he thinks he has a, quite a serious case of the disease. <laughs> and for the last eight, nine months, he's been listening to the podcast daily because we have 400-plus episodes back catalog. And this past week or so, he just caught up. <laughs> and he's decided that that's a bummer. So he's decided to start again. So Chris is n- now going to re-listen from the beginning. Now, Chris, first off, uh, thank you, and I'm sorry because that's – shocking me. And then look, I'm going to say this while, while you're at it. Look, we're trying behind the scenes to make a database of what's in all these episodes. You want to stop while you're there and just start making a real simple spreadsheet for me about this episode had these cars in it. I, I take mm-hmm. that help because I can't believe you're going through again. Now, honestly, I'm, I'm making fun because I'm very thankful and I'm glad you like the podcast that much, but I am also floored that you were starting again. You may have noticed at the front of this podcast was a brand new open yeah, because yeah. we are starting year six of this podcast. Unreal. So, Unreal. Chris, um, uh, you're spending a lot of time with us, but uh, thank you. All right. ZJPD is getting a roll bar and frame rails installed in his 1990 MX-5 Mazda so that his yeah, son and he can track and autocross the little beast on occasion. Any helmet recommendations from us? Well, yes, as a matter of fact. First of all, any helmet manufacturer you need to go to should follow the Snell Memorial Foundation that is manifested in the SA mm-hmm. either 2015, but they actually have just published the SA 2020 oh, good. requirements. The issue is that a lot of helmet manufacturers have not been able to pick up those and meet those requirements yet in their product offerings. Those mm-hmm. are coming soon. I just don't want you to buy an SA 2015 helmet for you and your son and then suddenly it's timed out if you do any you know, autocross and that kind of stuff. You've got to watch well, your right regulations. Right on the cusp, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, they yeah. rewrite them about every five years. So the SA 2020 regulations are published now on the, on the Snell Memorial Foundation site, but then you need to find the manufacturers that will get those. So you might have to do a little bit of digging. Todd and I liked Pyrotect, which are helmets that we've used for the 24 Hours of you Lemons find, Race. You can find them right from our store. Yes, that, that yes, helmet is can. on our show. The ones we're using for the lemons race that is a full helmet that we use for lemons and is lemon certified and all of that is a great helmet. Not very expensive. They're on our store. That can lead you down a rabbit trail of lots of other helmets while you're at it. They have a good youth helmet in there as well. Do that. So I good. don't know okay, how awesome. old your son is, but uh, yeah, they have a good youth helmet as do I think a lot of manufacturers, but we like those for the balance of price and pro- protectivity. I like that. Pyrotech. Just remember, pyrotech. It's the Mm. thing before you become an arson. Pyro and then (laughs) pyrotech. You'll never forget it now. See? Mnemonic device. There you go. Free arson. Well done. I like that. That's very good and quite horrifying while we're at it. Uh, Drew McFarlane asked about pickups. He Mm. said, okay, hang on. We've done crossovers. Is there a chance that we might do any pickup reviews? Because he feels like pickups are also trying to be more and more like cars. Drew, that is quite timely because that is on our list of things to shoot for season six. We yes, have a, yes. a pickup comparison on the way. And because they're pickups dealing with exactly what you're talking about, Drew, which is people using – look, I come from Texas, okay? People use trucks as their only vehicle. They, there's Nothing's ever been in the bed it's of that weird, huge truck but, in front okay. of you. No, no, they've it's never weird. put anything in the bed of that truck in front of you, but they, they drive a truck every day. This is Texas and many other southern states. We're going to do a review of pickups that has nothing to do with hauling anything because <laughs> most people don't. I, look, Starbucks. I know they have tow ratings. Yes, coffee. exactly. We're going to haul our coffee in the 4,500 cup holders. We're going to plug yeah, in every phone we can find. If you've been in a modern pickup, I swear you can f- plug in every phone for the entire construction site. Not that you went to the construction site, but you get my point. <laughs> so, yeah, we are going to do a pickup review coming soon. SQL Agent on Instagram is asking, are there any hybrid cars that are fun to drive? 
Okay. Um, ask me in a decade, maybe? The BMW i8? Uh, the i8 could be fun. The Chevy Volt is interesting, but also on your radar should be our upcoming Honda Insight review, which is yeah, coming out this week. This week. Yeah. And that is definitely considered a hybrid as well. That was a bit of a surprising car for both of us. Definitely. definitely it's not yeah. the most powerful car on the planet, but it was surprising because it seems overlooked in Honda's lineup, to be I honest. I agree. I agree with that. And yeah. Honda offered it to us, and we drove it, and we were really pretty, frankly, surprised We, we were really it. glad they handed that car cool. to us, which is a weird sentence, but we, but that's what that I mean, piece is going to be about. Define fun, because then you'll have to caveat it with like, yeah, it's useful and economical and... Kind of but fast. that's reality too. I yeah. mean that that happens. That's out there. Uh, whatever Chris said, I've had a Lotus lease for three years now, and we've been hit twice due to mm. lifted pickups. Mm. We're back into pickup land. He said he lives. I think he actually said he lived in Texas, where there's all pickups. Loves the car, but every time he drives it, he tends to think about the fact that he's been hit twice. Mm. Which that's the thinking of I might get hit again. So in our opinion, is he better off selling it and getting another lease, or take the opportunity to get something else he's always wanted? And at that point, he's saying four <coughs> C. Uh, yeah. Here's the thing. He also says, though, he does track his car, and he not really cares about it being mint condition. He wants it to be a driver. couple of things here. First off, what can you really get out of your lease? If it's been hit twice, what is that, a $20,000 car now? I'm asking the question genuinely. Because if it's got, I don't know how bad the damage is. I don't know what its car facts look it? like, but well, but it's, it's still probably thirty. It's still probably high twenties. It. My guess is oh, that with damage, car, you're with, saying? With, yeah, because it's been hit twice. Once people are looking at that on the Carfax, I think that cuts that car right off at the knees, and it's probably worth twenty grand, twenty five. Yeah. And I say this as a guy that I love my Elise. I love it, but that's a real concern I have for you on what can you get out of it. Or, but I'll, I'll turn it around on you. What do you need to get out of it? Is twenty enough? Is it could be. I mean, it I might don't be a think wash. Cars, I'm not making money. I don't think that car is worth anything more than 25. Mm-hmm. So ponder that. Uh, you could certainly get another Elise, but my feeling is if the car runs and drives well and is still worth tracking and you're going to get another – why don't you stay in your current Elise? You know what you have Yeah. if it's a car that you can track. I also don't think you'll like the 4C enough as a track car. I think you'd like it a ton Shall as a road car. I pontificate no, on we don't, this we, we, we've covered it. We, we, we really okay. have covered that subject. Because I can. But I think if it was going to be a daily, I think you'd actually really like the 4C quite a bit. I don't think you'd like it as much on the track. I'm also going to say this to you as a man that loves the Lotus, drive a Cayman. Mm. If you want a car that is a little more easy to see for people to see you and you to see out of, it is a significantly bigger car. Look at our uh, our channel picture on Pretty much anywhere, okay? It's on Twitter. It's on. It's been on Facebook. It's on YouTube. Look at the picture of Paul and I's cars together. His Cayman <laughs> looks like it's fifty percent larger than my car, and they're parked perfectly nose yeah. to nose in that photo. Yeah, it, it's not the Lord of the Rings effect where you know it's, the, it's one actor's for, closer it's not, to you. It's not once. forced perspective you know at all. I mean? They are they are direct. <laughs> that's excellent. Good reference. They're directly nose to nose. My car is the SUV, the bunch. Seriously. So, but I think drive a Cayman because you might find that to be a better daily and still a phenomenal track car as a comparative. Speaking of Caymans and low-tie and mid-engine cars, Matthew Hickey says, what do you do if you come into a turn too fast in a mid-engine car? Ooh. He was taking a turn in his Fiero, and it was handling great until it spun with snap oversteer. He was keeping the throttle consistent, as you do with mid-engine cars, and he said, I did not brake at all. It was fine until it suddenly it wasn't, and Yikes. there was no warning. Welcome to mid-engine cars, mm-hmm. small mid-engine cars especially. This is what they do, and of, of course, the best thing to mitigate that first is your tires and what tire compound you've got. Of course, you know speed coming into the corner, type of corner, road conditions, weather, all that stuff. But this is snap oversteer. You've now experienced it, and with mid-engine <laughs> cars as small as ours, there's far less of a window where it starts to go away yeah, until yeah. it just goes very wrong. It's very unlike a Mustang or Camaro where the back kicks out like on your 86. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, well, there it is. Now yeah. I can just, you know. Ride it through, yeah. Ride it for a little bit. Yeah, it, The window and the amount of time you have is frantic, and it's yeah. far shorter than anything you're probably used to. I mean, if you had the Fiero for a while, but welcome to Snap Oversteer, and that is exactly what you've yeah. experienced, exactly what it describes. And yeah, tires are a thing to mitigate, and then speed. You know, working up, and you know, some tires let loose sooner than others. But yeah, I mean, and some tires break away more progressively than others. But once it really goes in a mid engine, most of the time it's just gone. It's just gone. It's the, not the chances of you getting you it back are slim to none. I yeah. would advise more braking coming in and more acceleration coming out. Mm-hmm. That's what I would advise because you can get on you can get on the power pretty early in a mid engine car, which is wonderful. 
but that breaking going in is a thing. We did uh, Formula Fords not that long ago, and those were uh, those were uh, I, there was a lot of spinning. I had a, I had a snap, over, snap steer. over steer moment in that that you'll get you'll get to see. That was quite fun. Yeah. Well, yeah, Matthew, uh, just think of nine elevens. You can break harder and later than most any other car. That's their benefit. But you're neutral through the corner, and you're not on the throttle as soon as other cars on corner exit. But you've made up your time on later braking. Yeah. So, but you've got but you've got to be throttled there. You got to be throttled on that to settle that back. You do. Too. You have to be throttled because on. what you can't do is a correction mid corner in a nine eleven, especially with braking, because right. that front will come around and go. What are you doing up here? What's happening? <laughs> it's going. Yes, but with mid engine, it changes a little bit. You can still brake harder and later, mm-hmm. but then you've got to have you know balance with throttle, and then when you get on it, you know theoretically you've got you know the exit speed there. But it's it's a thing with mid engine cars and different dynamics i'm on one hand glad you experienced it i'm bummed that you did i hope there's no I hope damage there was to the no car. damage to you or the car yeah, yeah be careful sure. where that happens that's horrifying i remember actually being in a, a car on one of our reviews and i i remember fully understeering out of my lane across the other lane in, in a decreasing radius corner i was never so glad to not have traffic because mm-hmm. i actually just Nuts. i turned into the corner then the corner kinked again Oof. i cranked and the car just went i'm gonna go straight right here I, I, that's as much turning as i can do that was like uh, understeering 101 mm. uh, damn it Patton asked the question about recent news. Did you see the recent news? I saw this question. The Navy is ditching touchscreens in their ships because of confusion and problem with, with uh, driving them that, that they think has been a contributing factor to some accidents, and they're going back to straight-up tactile hand controls. Yeah, and it's caused some charges of involuntary homicide for some of the sailors because they haven't been able to control it better. I was reading one, one account where they actually they tried to split the controls, you do this and I'll do that, and they had the control split to four different stations. Mm. What are you doing? What are you doing? Oh. And so they're going back to, and look, I'm not claiming to be a sailor in any way, shape, or form, but they're going to go back to hand controls because they were talking about how the repercussions or there's a tactile awareness of how much I'm asking the ship to do because I've actually had to slide something tactile. Very interesting. I wonder if this will have any effect on cars. One place it's in cars right now is Mazda is talking about moving screens farther and farther away from you and making them not touch screens for the same reason. They don't want you touching the screen in their cars yeah. anymore. They want to put just the interaction of the knobs that you have down in the center console. So you can't, they're going to actually move screens further away so you can't even reach it. Because they want you to have it, but don't you have to touch it? Yeah. For very similar reasons. Fascinating to see us kind of come full circle on this. It'll be interesting to see what automakers do what about this. <laughs> Manual transmissions for everyone. It's coming. Oh, I wish. It's, it's not coming. <laughs> it's not coming. It's not coming. It's really not. All right, guys. If you've got your own debate, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com, or you can find us on the website. And one last reminder for that GoFundMe page <laughs> on Big Sedans. Yep. And you can find all the info for joining us as a patron member where you can join the Discord and the conversation goes on. We're looking forward to next time. time. Cheers, everyone.